Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Matthew 9, verse 35. If you're all there, say amen. amen. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. I want you to read verse 36 with me. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For your hand, God, that's upon us today to preach and to teach, I pray, hide me behind your cross. Move in great power, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm asking, God, that today, out of your compassion, you would move in the lives of each and every person under the sound of my voice. I pray, God, you would help me to communicate with great clarity who you are, what you're like, and the way that you work, God. Your amazing grace and the wonderful working power of miracles, gifts of healing, would be manifested today. Signs, wonders would be released in evidence of your resurrection, in evidence that you are God and God alone. I'm asking for your power to be manifested this morning. Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The countdown clock helps me, so go ahead and start that. Thank you so much. It is amazing to me, um, as I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord, how much he loves us. It's truly astounding. The distinctiveness or the uniqueness, right in your notes. Now, we do have notes. Go ahead and fill those in as we move along. The uniqueness or the distinctiveness is the Judeo-Christian revelation of God. The God of the Bible is very different than gods that are declared by so many false religions. Fatalism has creeped into our country. That fatalism is, is when a person, and this is going to sound familiar, unfortunately, but fatalism is when a person experiences some situation, whether it be bad or good, and they said, well, it's just God's will. So if you get cancer, well, you know, God knows. Just must be God's will. That, that's, that's not even a biblical understanding of the God of of the Bible, that, that's, that's, that's not the God that we serve. Many false religions have spawned endless tragedies and crushed the human spirit, and it's crept into America and crept in possibly to your heart, possibly into the church. It's so important to understand that God is a God of compassion, a God of mercy, Philosophies have invaded our nation. 
invaded our homes or pervade on television programs and across the world wide web, even preached from preachers of the gospel who don't know the word of God. In this text, you see the wonder of Jesus. The compassion, you know, our nation is still one of the most generous nations in all the world, if not the most generous nation. Now, that's not always done in the name of the Lord, but one of the reasons we are so generous in this country is because of the gospel. Needy, hurting, lame, halt, withered. You're moved when you see broken lives. Why is that? Because Jesus lives on the inside of you. If you don't have compassion for people or your compassion level is low, you better check yourself. Verse 36 is the key word. It's this word compassion. He saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's a picture that he's moved by people that are harassed and helpless, which are so many. And it's a picture that a shepherd actually alleviates the harassing and helplessness of sheep, which we are the sheep of his pasture. You know, everyone needs a pastor. You say, do you have a pastor? Pastor? Yes, I do. I think everyone needs a pastor. It was out of compassion that he went into the towns and the villages. It was, without, it was, it was because of compassion that he sent forth. And we didn't read that, but that, that final verse there, verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Why do we do what we do? Why do we work so hard the way we do here at King? Why are we building the building that we're building? Why do we have life groups? Why do we have so many services? I will tell you, it's not so that we can get a pat on the back or, 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 or build something of our own selves. It's because people are harassed and they're broken like sheep without a shepherd and the compassion of God has touched our lives and we must, we are compassionate compelled to touch others with the love of God that has touched us and changed us. Come on, if you've been touched and changed by God's love, God's compassion, God's mercy, say thank you, Jesus, right now. It's compassion that God sent his only begotten son. And times we forget about compassion. There's times when we can be so driven in purpose that we can forget about compassion, about mercy. And mercy and compassion are really terms that are synonymous in the New Testament. And as you study the New Testament, we see compassion and faith working together. And you see it right in this text. And so I'm going to preach to you a special message on the Sunday before Mother's Day. That's to help all the fellows. About compassion, a key to releasing the kingdom of God. Compassion, a key to releasing the kingdom of God. And so verse 36 is the, really the main, the main verse, a key verse. And if you study the New Testament, you'll see compassion and faith working together. Understanding the compassion of the Lord. Let me, I love Exodus 34, verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, quote, 
the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Pictures of his compassion are seen in the parables. The parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. How many of you know that story? The, pro, the, the, the prodigal son parable. A son is, is um, there's two sons. One of them is rebellious and he says to his father, give me the inheritance. So basically he's saying to him, I don't really care if you're alive or not. I really kind of wish you were dead so I can have all that was going to come to me when you die. Can I have it now? Because I'm out. Peace. So he wants his inheritance and, and his father gives him his inheritance and he runs off to Vegas. Blows all his money in the slot machines. On scandalous living, you can go and read this, Luke 15. When he runs out of his money and he runs out of everything, he's, he's broken and he's eating. As a, See, we don't really understand as a Jew eating, first of all, feeding pigs and he wishes that he could just, oh, he said, my father's servants have more than this. Oh, oh God. He comes to an awareness. We don't really understand as a Jew feeding pigs. We do not understand that. I mean, think about what the worst heinous crime or wicked perverse thing you could do, and that would work. That would fit for a Jew feeding pigs, being with pigs. He comes to his senses and he says, I'm gonna go home. And he gets up and he goes home. And this verse is so profound. They, they call it the, prodigal, the parable of the prodigal son, but really it's the, the parable of the waiting father. And it's a picture of God. It's a parable talking about the truth in the kingdom. And it's verse 20 of Luke 15. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still afar off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. And he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The whole essence of that parable is that there's a father, a heavenly father that has compassion on you. Compassion on me. We're all like prodigals. All of us have sinned and gone astray. Each have gone to his own way. Oh, but God. In Luke 10 and verse 33, it's the story of the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan. Verse 33, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. And, and just before that, you see these Levites crossed over on the other side, a priest crossed over on the other side, and maybe they didn't want to get defiled. Maybe he was dead. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But nobody had compassion except the Samaritan. And when Jesus taught this, he shocked everybody because Samaritans were, were seen as dogs. They hated Samaritans. They had a mixture of religion. And he picks them as someone who would model what really God is like. Kind of amazing. When the Samaritan came on his journey, he came to him, verse 33 of Luke 10. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went over to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring in olive oil and wine. He put him on his own animal and he brought him to the inn. It's a perfect picture of salvation. Oil, the Holy Ghost, wine, picture of the blood. Put him on, put him on a, his own beast of burden and brought him. It's a picture that Jesus, he became, he became death for you. He became a curse for you. We're all like laid out dead in the road, but God had compassion. He had what? Compassion. Do you have to get so excited about it? It's the reason I'm so uh, zealous. It's because I was lost and broken 
and he spared me and he saved me by his love and by his compassion. Can you say amen? The feeding of the multitudes. Matthew 9, 36. He saw the crowds and had compassion on them. Compassion is the basis for all of God's ministry. The widow of Nain in Luke 7. Turn there if you would. Many of the miracles he did were because of compassion. Luke 7, verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person being carried out, the only son of his mother, she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. This is a tremendous picture of hopelessness. And it really is a picture. I've preached on Luke 7 many, many times. It's really a picture of the day and the hour in which we live in America. There's a whole group of people that are filled with sorrow. It's the death crowd. There's really two crowds. A crowd that's following the casket, weeping and mourning over this horrible thing that's happened. Why is it so horrible? Well, death, that's horrible. But more than that, it's a widow, so that means her husband is dead. Correct? And so if her husband's dead, now her son is dead. Her only son is dead. All hope of this precious woman being taken care of, being provided for, being protected, all hope is gone. They didn't have food stamps. They had certain systems, gleaning, things like that. It would leave behind some of the crops in the fields and the corners so that people could come that were poor and be able to get some food for themselves. This woman had nothing left, no husband, no son, and they're weeping, and it says the Lord saw her. The word Lord there in the Greek is kurios. It's not just like, oh, the Lord. It's the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the Lord God, kurios, the Lord. In the Old Testament, it would the equivalent of that would be that would be the tetragrammatron, Y-H-W-H, that some have plugged in vowels to say that it says Yahweh, but they're just guessing because they, they don't know what it is. They guess. And the reason that those letters are not, those vowels are not in there, Y-H-W-H, is that the name of God was so holy, it should never be pronounced, so they never put it in writing. So in the New Testament equivalent, to YHWH is right there in Luke 7. When the Lord, when Curios, when Lord God Almighty saw her. I want you to know this, that God sees you. He sees your burden. He sees your, he sees your confusion. He sees your need. He sees your sorrow. He sees your hopelessness. And he has compassion on you. That's good news. That's what gospel means. It means good news. And he said, don't cry. You know, you're here this morning and in the midst of this message, which I'm not going to preach real long to you, and then we're just going to flow and let God heal everybody. I don't know what you're coming out of or what you're in the midst of, but I do know a God who's moved with compassion for you and, and actually weeps. He's moved to help you, to heal you. He has compassion on us because he loves us. Oh, I think we ought to just thank him. Come on, thank him all across this place. 
a man with leprosy in Mark 1. A man with leprosy comes to him, begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I got news. God, on, God is not only able, he's willing. Come on, say that. He's not only able, he's willing. Many people believe and would say that God could do anything, but they don't know that he's willing. He can do it, but will he? Yes. Yes, he, yes, he will. It says in verse 41 of Mark 1, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. You don't touch lepers. But Jesus did because he's filled with compassion. He broke every sociological barrier. He broke rules because of his love, his compassion, and compelled him to do what he did. The apostle Paul saw healing as a gift based on God's mercy or God's compassion. This, I, I, I wish that every uh, young, wet-behind-the-ear evangelist would hear what I'm about to say. I can say that because my I am no longer wet behind the ears. How many of you know what that means? That means you were birthed so soon that you still got water behind your, still behind your ears. Mine has since dried up. Philippians 2, turn there. Philippians 2 and 27. Talking about Epaphroditus, who was one of Paul's right-hand men. He had gotten sick, and in verse 27, here, watch this. This is profound to me. Indeed, he was ill, talking of Epaphroditus, and almost died, but God had mercy, or God had compassion on him, not only him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. What is phenomenal to me about that verse, it, it's staggering to me, because we teach on faith. We, we teach that God stands over his word to see performance. It's true, it is true. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Really, I'm seeing more miracles than I ever have before, and I'm gonna tell you why. I'm, I'm going to the gym of miracle preparation. What do you mean by that? I'm reading books. I'm devouring things. I'm working through Christ the Healer again by F.F. Bobsworth. My God, what an amazing book. That's an amazing book. And I, and I feel there's something stirring in me, and what it is, is the Word of God. And, I, and, and it's getting deeper and wider and broader. So we believe in, in preaching and declaring the Word of faith and seeing miracles, but that's not what this is saying. This, it's not like he healed him because, because he's the Apostle Paul, and he stood on the Word that said, by his stripes, Epaphroditus was healed. I've seen a lot of healing services with evangelists that don't have much compassion. I've seen people, I've seen people yanked out of chairs, yanked out of chairs and dragged. You know, you know, they're, they're dragging their feet. You're healed. You're healed. You know, they're like dragging the, I'm all belief, thanks. You all right? Nice hair. I'm all believing the working miracles. I'm all believing, and, and, and there's a time where you can work, to put, do what you can do, so God does the rest. I'm, I'm all for that, and you'll, you'll see that happen here. But I've seen people dragged. I mean, literally, their feet are dragging, and, and you know, the, somebody's propping them up, and, hey, they're healed, and they move on to the next thing. You're not healed. I've seen that. They try to build people's faith. Anybody, am I the only person? 
You're all afraid to raise your hand. It'll be okay. He didn't say he's healed because I stood on the word of God. He's not saying healed because I'm the apostle Paul and I have great faith. He's not saying that Paphroditus got healed because of any of those things. He's saying God had compassion. That slaps the face of that confident, cocky, arrogant, I'm a man of faith thing. Now, please don't, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I believe in faith. I believe in standing on God's word. I believe in declaring it. And, and amen, according to your faith may be done unto you and all of that. And I believe the gift of faith. But this is fascinating to me. Philippians 2. God had compassion on him and not only on him, but on me also. That's just intense to me. Our testimony is a declaration of his mercy or testimony is one of his mercy. God's mercies, so we're not consumed. There are more occasions in my life than I can recount where I've almost lost my life. I can't, I can't remember them all. And those are the ones that, those are the ones that I know about. There's, a, I'm sure, a whole nother section of Miracles where God spared me that I don't even know about. Mercy. Turn to Mark 5. See, compassion is what drives us to go to the villages. Compassion is what drives us to go to the towns. Compassion is what's driving us to Anchorage. Compassion is what called us to do the building we're building because sheep are astray and people are harassed and they must hear the good news of Jesus. They must hear about the love of God. In Mark 5, this is the demoniac of Gadara. Jesus comes and questions the, the demoniac and says, we're legion for we are many. I, I really enjoy this passage of scripture because the devil, the devils in him beg him, please don't send us out of the area, which is an argument for territorial demons. It's an argument for principalities and demonic power over a region. How many of you know there is demonic power that wants to grip this region? We're breaking that in Jesus' name by the power of the cross, by the power of the blood, by the compassion of Christ. And so he says, please don't send us out of the region. And so Jesus sends them into the pigs. And I've affectionately and humorously said, it's the first time that deviled ham was created. You might get that on the way home, but the pigs rush down and throw themselves into the ocean and drown, which is a picture of what demonic power wants to do to everyone. And what's fascinating to me is verse 19. Look at this. Jesus, here the man says, let me go with you. And Jesus didn't let him. And he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done and how he has had mercy, which is Strong's G 1635 for all of you scholars out there. 
Mercy and compassion are synonymous right here. How God had compassion, how God had mercy. So he says, so you can't follow me because I'm sending you to tell everybody about my compassion. God will set you free, has set you free, will set you free as a result of his compassion. And you know what he wants you to do? Tell everybody. Let the redeemed say so. Jesus is the unique high priest. Look at this, Hebrews 4, 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. The God we serve revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ and everywhere he went and everything he said tied to compassion and mercy because God is a loving, compassionate God. And anything that wants to argue that, you need to slap it down because it's a lie from false religion that's weaving its way in. Look, that's so loving. Then how come you don't understand? You don't understand that there's a real devil and there is real evil. And you've made choices and people make choices and those things affect us. But God is compassionate. The ramification of God's compassion, Jesus' compassion, are profound. Let's get right to your notes. You see, we can believe or he will help us. He, we can, if you look at him, you study God's word, Old Testament, New Testament, you study it, you, you realize, man, if he did it for those guys, he could do it for me. If he did it for the leper, he can touch me. If he, if he did it for the, the blind person, he can do it for me. Come on, say, lift a hand to heaven and say, he can do it for me. We can believe for change. People don't have to stay addicted to crystal methamphetamines. People don't have to remain in the bondage of adultery and pornography. People don't have to put up with depression and anxiety. You can be set free. Why? Because God has compassion and love on you. So do you have to be so forceful about it? Yes, because the enemy has so many people in a cloud. Well, I've just, my father struggled with this, and so, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but you're not your father. He said, well, it's just this generation. We'll break it. So it's just going down my blood. Start a new line. Compassion stirs us to live our lives differently. I was on a bus on this trip and I was thinking about, I witness a lot and I don't witness because somebody, you know, well, you know, you need to witness. That's not why I witness truth is I really never did anything that anybody ever told me to do as an unredeemed person. I don't witness out of obligation. 
I've witnessed with motives that were not always the best. I've witnessed to break the devil off of me. I believe in offensive Christianity, so I didn't really care so much about the, I know, don't look at me like that. I didn't care so much about the person I was witnessing to. I was just advancing the kingdom. I wasn't moved with compassion. I was moved to break the devil off of my circumstances. Listen, some of you need to move from, from a defensive, hide under the kitchen table, you know, Christianity to offensive Christianity. The devil hits your house, how about hit his? This became revelation to us years ago. And Pastor Karen and I were in a, just a biblical proportion argument. Oh, we were really, we were arguing. And I had been meditating on the fact about how the enemy comes to stir up strife and how he was using my mouth and, and, and even maybe using Pastor Karen's a little bit. And I were driving and we're like, I'm talking, I'm not, you know, we're, we're the, we're the, we're passionate. The, the way we preach is the way we argue. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, well, I just don't agree with that. That's not how that goes. It's like, it's kind of intense. Okay, I'm sure that might be hard to imagine. So pretty intense argument. And we're coming up to the airport. As we're coming, it dawns on me out of my, out of, from, and this came from prayer, and, and it had to be the Holy Spirit because I just don't think this way. It's the enemy. Hit him back. And as we're coming into the airport, it's, you know, it's before you could not leave your car on the curb, you know, that kind of thing. And I said to Oh, you got a migraine right then. And we realized, man, this is the devil. I said, this is the devil. That's it. I'm getting somebody saved. And so we parked. I got out of the car. And I literally, we didn't have to go to the airport. I wasn't traveling. I don't even know why we were there. We weren't traveling. We were, you know, I just ended up, we were close to the airport. I don't know. We went to the airport to find some sinner. Parked the car. I got out of my car. And literally, I was like, let's go. Let's go. Where is he? Where is he? And I looked and I saw a security guard. And I said, that's it. Yeah, that guy's, getting, that guy's getting saved. And I came across, literally, I rushed at him way too much, way too much, you know. He'd probably draw on these days. Anyway, as I'm coming to him, he starts backing up. And he backs up and he backs up all the way to the wall and he stops. And I come right to him. I said, hey, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. He says, I'm Catholic. I said, Awesome, I was Catholic too. And I, and I witnessed to him. Now I don't remember honestly if he got saved or not. I can't remember. He loves you. You need to be born again. You know, I preached to him. And, and I don't remember the result, but I walked away. And I'm sure the guy was freaked out. And I went back to my car. Migraine's gone. All the strife and the argument is gone. And we have peace. I'm like, oh, we're going to do more of that. Now that wasn't the greatest motivation, but... It does work. Compassion is what moved God to send his only son. You gotta operate in compassion in your life. Check your compassion level. I've at times in ministry, you know, had gotten jaded over people manipulating, trying to hurt other people, drug addicts coming and doing what they do. You should never be surprised at a drug addict trying to get money or trying to, that's what they do. That's sinner's sin. That's what you did. 
compassion on them. You don't mean, it doesn't mean you let them run over you and take all your money. You've got to live a life of compassion, a life of, of forgiveness. Compassion is tied to healing. Colossians 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I, I think some of us might be clothed in something else. It's a reminder this morning that compassion is a key to releasing the kingdom of God. A reminder this morning that the compassionate, loving, merciful God sees you. He sees you like he saw the widow in Nain. He knows you're rising up. He knows you're setting down. He, he knows what you're going through. And he's moved with compassion. A few more scriptures. Psalm 78, 38. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not, yea. Many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up his wrath. Psalm 86, verse 15, King James, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm 111, verse four, he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. New Testament, Ephesians 4 and 32. And be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Colossians 3 and 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy and kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. 1 John 3 and 17. But whosoever hath this world good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? King James, let me make it plain. If you're not moved by people's brokenness, you better check whether actually you yourself have been forgiven. I'm so undone by this passage, by this study. One more scripture. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk. You know, I'm, I'm weeping because... I'm finding myself a little short. I'm seeing, I'm, I'm a driven, I'm driven, I'm driven by vision, driven to do what God calls us to do, but I find myself, sometimes our heart gets a little callous. Don't you walk past hurting and broken people. I, I mean, I, I mean, there's the panhandlers of Wasilla. Most of them are scammers. But how about let God's compassion touch you and say, 
Well, they wouldn't be scamming if they weren't so jacked up. Oh, yeah, they're trying to rip you off. Yeah, they're going to buy crack with that. Yes. Food. Most of them are lying. How do you know? I know. I know stuff like that. I've been around. But instead of just crossing them off, how about let your heart be moved with compassion that they wouldn't be trying to rip people off. And, you know, maybe some of them seriously don't have any food. I understand. Most of them are lying. And they're in newspapers and newspaper articles and they get arrested for... But if they weren't so broken, who is going to go to the towns and villages? God so loved you and I that he sent his son. He had compassion as he sent his son. And then he says in this text, he says, go. Go into the villages. Go to the highways and byways. So the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It was compassion that he called you. It was the love of God that he gripped you and he saved you. You ought to split hell wide open, but God, he intervened. He intervened with his amazing love. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Say, God, expand my capacity to have compassion. Come on. Tell him, expand my capacity to love. I've been burned so many times. But it's coming back to God's word and coming to in prayer that allows me just to shake that off. There's an all new love and mercy flowing through my heart today. I have to keep it there. Some of you have been through so much that you can't even see the pain of other people because of the pain that you're in right now, whether it be physical, emotional. He's a healer, and he's moved with compassion for you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.